time to be together and this is this if you're here for healthy teams from start to finish or healthy teams keeping healthy teams or whatever just healthy teams this is where you need to be okay um i just want to introduce some of these these people that are going to be speaking they're going to kind of split the time we're going to have maybe time for questions and answers at the end um but carrie and megan are an amazing couple that started <laughs> um when we started our church, it was it, my wife and I, my wife right here, Sydney, right here. We only, we started, we launched the church about a year and a half ago in February of 2017. And God's been amazing. But the most amazing thing is the people that God has brought into our lives. Um, ARC, if you're not part of ARC, be part of ARC. If you're not part of ARC, get involved in it because there's people like this and people like the people that you're hearing from today. I remember going to a meetup. And I'll make this really quick. Going to a meetup, and it was really kind of a discouraging time. And we walked in, and you carried, put it on, and he, he walks in, and he goes, how's it going? And we're like, yeah, we're good. Put the smile on. And, ah, we're good. Yeah. And he pulled us aside, and he pulled us off to the side, and he goes, well, tell me, really, how's it going? And I thought, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be, because they want the reality, not the false faith. And he said, give me the numbers, the real numbers. <laughs> and so we did. And it just, that, from that day forward, it was just like, and he's been nothing but a support. They've been nothing but a support for us and just encouragement for us. Um, and then at the same, Ron Armstrong's going to come up and he's going to teach, he's going to tell you some amazing stories that have happened in his church. He's the founding pastor of Cornerstone Community Church in Wildemar, California. And so let's give it up for these guys and hopefully we'll have some time for questions and answers at the end. And so um, I've got there's some ladies over here that don't have chairs. Is there any gentlemen that can <laughs> their seats? They're going to say, no, don't worry about it. Just walk over and bring your chair to them if you need to. Please, please come grab a seat. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, oh, very kind. And we're judging those of you that think of that first, but we'll move on. I'll take it. Okay, go. I think we're good now. I think we're, I think we're all right. Thank you, guys. Hey, listen, let's jump in. Here's my hope. Um, for those of you that I can't see behind the pillar, we're just going to believe by faith that you're there. I do that every Sunday, and so I'm used to it. But uh, we want to do this. Here's what our hope is. We want to take 20 minutes and talk about some practicals, uh, both my wife and I. And then we're going to invite the, the man, the myth, the legend, Ron Armstrong, to come up and talk about some practicals. But we want to do this. We want to talk about healthy teams, building them. From the start to the finish. And so my wife and I planted our church here in Orange County six years ago with the Ark. And uh, so we know what it's like to start teams from scratch. Yeah. And uh, we also served as executive pastors for uh, almost uh, about about five to six years. So we, we I, let me ask you this real quickly. How many of you in here are senior leaders? Would you raise your hands? Okay, how many of you support staff, volunteers, on staff, full-time? Okay, great. So our hope is to address this not just from a senior leader perspective, but for all people involved. And, and to give some practicals on how to actually build teams, whether it's from the ground up or once you've got those teams, how to sustain them and do so in a healthy way. Because we all know that we can't do this on our own. In fact, we need teams to do that. So 
We're going to give like five practicals, and we're going to try to do this quickly. We, we're also going to do this together because it's how we lead together. Which is together. real scary. It's very dangerous, actually. So we're going to – I told her she has to watch her time. Pretty so sure we'll Pastor see. Dino told me I was talking too long in the last I believe one, that's so. probably true. So <laughs> we're going to get some practicals, and then we'll give time for uh, Q&A at the end. Does that sound good? So I'd encourage you to take notes, write stuff down, and uh, if you don't like it, don't tell us. It's fine. Uh, and then uh, we'll hopefully we'll see what God can do for yeah. this. But here's our hope and our prayer. Uh, man, our hope and our prayer is to maybe you'll walk away from here today with one one key. Oh, that's what we needed. Yeah. Uh, nobody's here to uh, act as if they've arrived at any great conclusion that you can't or haven't arrived at. But maybe it's the one key you're looking for to to shift something or pivot something within the teams that you lead. So let me pray before we jump in. Is that cool? Can we be spiritual in an application session? Is that cool? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you for the opportunity, the time it is to... To, together, to gather together for the purpose of building not our church, but your church. So we thank you that everything that we're doing is all about advancing the gospel of Jesus In Christ. Jesus name. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Healthy teams from start to finish. I want to give you five practicals that I believe are imperative when you're launching and building a team or starting with a team. And this can be even for hiring a staff member and kind of outlining job descriptions all the way down to leading and building a guest services or hospitality team. So five components that I think are non-negotiable, and we're going to interact with each other. Y'all pray for our marriage, hopefully, with sustainable. <laughs> so number one, lead with the why. Lead with the so why. Good. The why connects purpose to a task, and that's yep. an important component. A lot of times we miss that. We, we just want to start with the what, but no, we want to talk about the why. Why is it we're doing what we are doing and not just what is it I'm expecting or asking you to do. And I, I think the best thing you can do is write this down. And the why clarifies the value that this brings to the body That's of Christ. Cool. This, the why clarifies the value that what I'm asking you to do brings value to the body of Christ. So we're not asking you to be a greeter. We're actually asking you to yeah. create a welcome, warm environment so that when somebody who's far from God who doesn't want to go to church, who has anxiety just thinking about driving on the property of a church, whether you have a building or a mobile, we're asking you to create an environment that makes them feel warm and welcome. That's the why. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. And this goes for every area of ministry or leadership that you're going to be creating or implementing. But if we don't start with the why, we lose the essence of what we're trying to communicate. And I think the why often should lead or create a big ask. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a big ask. <laughs> Just making sure you're chocolate with me today. I, I, we, we've got to be willing to make the big ask. With a K. With a K. With a K. Like, hey, listen, this is a big deal. I yeah. need you to help me build a team, but let me tell you mm-hmm. why. And I think sometimes as leaders, we hesitate from making the big ask, right? <laughs> because we, we're nervous about, goodness, can they handle this? Is this going to be too much for them? I don't know about the majority of you in the room, but being a church planter, the majority of our team are full-time volunteers. I mean, the majority of the people we work can with I are an amen from volunteering. So when we're asking them to do something, we're asking them to do something alongside of their full-time job and their families. And, and so the reason the why is so important is because it, it attaches it to the, the purpose, the heartbeat of building the church. And so I think that one of the things we can do wrong as leaders is we can hesitate to make that ask because we're so worried about the people and how they're going to respond. And oftentimes, if you're a pastor, the pastoral heart is actually genuinely concerned for 
for people and their time and their investment. But if we, if we hesitate to make the ask because we're so worried about either what people are going to think or we're so worried about, I don't know if they could actually do this, we might rob them of the fullness of their potential, of the thing that God has inside of them, that once we ask that question, it all of a sudden awakens a purpose and a, and a gifting and ministry inside their life. We've got to stop looking at it like it's just a task. But no, we're doing this because we're building the kingdom of God, right? We have a, a girl on our team who... Um, we had to make a big ask of, and we were planning baptisms. I gotta be so careful when I say that. We were planning our, our baptisms, and one of the things we do is we have spontaneous baptisms. So when people show up to church, if they decide to be baptized that day, we wanna be ready for them, right? So we wanna make sure that we have t-shirts and undergarments and shorts, all those things. I'm sure you guys do the same thing. And so there's a girl on our team who is so administrative. She's so amazing, but she does a lot of other things in the church. And so I hesitated for a moment. Cause I can be this person where I hesitate. I'm like, Oh my goodness, her plate is already so full. But in having a conversation with her and talking to her about the life change, the moment for somebody, the moment of baptism and how we can help create a moment for someone where it's seamless, where it's like, Oh, I can take this next step because they're ready for me. They're prepared for me. So when I asked her if she'd be willing to be the one who took inventory of the supplies to go and to buy everything that was needed, to make sure we had all the right sizes and everything that was there, to greet the people and help them know where it was located and how they could get ready. When we talked about the reason why, she was like, I'm in. But we could have robbed her of that moment of being all in and being awakened to the heart of building the church if we were like, it might be asking too much, right? That's great. You're, you're good at that, babe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. moving on. And listen, the why should connect to their competency and passion as well. So if you're making a big ask of someone, make sure that it connects with their competency. So if it's something that requires a little more administrative skill set That's and you're good. going to the party planner uh, who likes to hang out and be with a bunch of people, but they're going to fail when it comes to the administrative components, then you might be asking the wrong ask. And then you're going to look like a big ask in the end. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully this isn't being recorded, but we'll move on. I think it might be. It is. Uh, so just, I just here's a question. I feel like maybe worth asking, what's the big ask that you need to make for some of your team members? You know, there might be, and you might already have one person in mind you're thinking, that I need to actually make that ask of them. And you know what it might be too? Somebody that's a volunteer that makes a good amount of money that may just be one ask away from setting that career on, on hold to follow ministry and maybe taking a pay cut. So this isn't just for volunteers to do that's administration great. to make sure they can check inventory for baptism. Yeah, but that's great. If you connect to the why, I, you'd be surprised at what people would do uh, for the purpose of advancing the gospel. Number two, that's clarify great. the what. Clarify the what. Oh, here, I left at one point. I'm going to repeat this. When it comes to clarifying the why, repeat the why as often as you can, but at least once a month. One of my favorite authors, Patrick Lencioni, if you haven't read his stuff, you need to quit ministry. Uh, one of the greatest authors on the planet. He's kidding. I'm kidding. And uh, he says, if you don't repeat the vision every 30 days, it's gone. Yeah, it's that's good. So have a conversation. Every time you talk with them, repeat the why as often as you can, but at least once a month. Number two, clarify the what. And don't assume that your team is on the same page as your what. That's good. Don't assume your team is on the same page as your what. So you got to write it down. And the what clarifies my expectation of you. So here's what I'm expecting you to do or accomplish. Here's the time commitment. 
And I will write this down for volunteers, for staff members, whatever it might be. Here's the time. I think it might take you two hours a week. It might take you here. This, this, this job, it's a part-time job. It's going to take you 12 hours a week minimum, whatever it might be. What services and meetings I'm expecting you to be at and attend. Communication to and from the team. And then the actual role that you're going to be playing. And I think you need to write that down specifically. And we do job descriptions all the way down to the actual greeter that is on a parking lot attendant. We have job descriptions for every single area of ministry from volunteer to staff. Because if we don't ask, tell, if we don't clearly communicate what it is we're expecting of them, they'll create their own job yeah. description. And then you have a parking lot attendant who's rogue off in some random place because he felt like we need to reach out to this one corner of your parking lot. You're like, shut your mouth. And get back over here. But I failed to clearly communicate the what. I don't really tell them to shut my mouth. They're their mouth. Let's move on. <laughs> and then when it comes to the what, repeat the what as often as you can, yeah. but at least once a month. Every interaction you're talking with your team, and this should be reiterated throughout the layers of your team from volunteers to staff, you should be constantly, hey, that's why we do this, and here's what I'm expecting of you. If you're not doing it at least once a month, then the vision is being lost. I think sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when we get frustrated with people that are on our teams and we're like, why, why didn't they show up to this event or why are they not doing that? And we're frustrated internally. Like, do they not get it? I think sometimes we have to pause and evaluate. Have we clearly communicated the what have we, have we given them the why and have we articulately and in writing communicated the what? Because a lot of the time, if we go back and evaluate, we may not have been really clear on our expectations. So communicating the what is, is really important. Yeah, that's great. Okay, number three, define the win. People need to know if they're actually winning. Yes. And the win clarifies I'm actually, I actually did my job. So we have to identify how we know if we're actually winning. So we, we literally, for our teams, volunteers to staff, uh, even to, which some things that are hard to qualify, like worship. Is it just singing a song and doing so in, in, in with great excellence? Like, is that the only qualifier for worship? Well, not at our church, because worship not only is a way for people to engage with the presence of, of God, but it also is paving a way for the communicator to be able to communicate effectively and quickly. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So we had to qualify even that layer for our team so that our worship leaders, not just our worship pastor, our our worship pastor oversees teams. So we're talking about the actual vocalists, the people who are leading vocals. Like, what does that mean for you? And so if you're not actually able to qualify that, then they don't know if they're winning. And they might equate that to, well, I sang the songs right. Well, yeah, that, that's great. But did you lead people into the presence of God? Are you tracking with me? And, and you want to be able to celebrate the wins. Doesn't, doesn't everybody want to be on a winning team? I mean, I want to be on the winning team always. And so if you know what the wins are, then when you hit the mark, you can say, I, I know I didn't mean to skip ahead. That's You're kind okay. of coming. Go but, for it, girl. But, but that's, you, go, you want to celebrate. And when you know what the wins are and what you're aiming at, then you have something to celebrate week in and week out with people. So that's one of the reasons you want to clarify what they are. And, and you can bring that clarification, but you can also bring people in on defining the wins. Like maybe that team member who oversees the kids' ministry, maybe the pastor, whatever it is, have that conversation. What do you think is a win for our kids' ministry? Bring them in on defining the wins and, and land on that and put it in writing because then you get to celebrate it. Why don't you give the example of what we do to their greeters? Okay, our greeters, their win is if people are greeted, connected, and directed. So we defined the win for our hospitality, for our greeters, 
if they are greeted, connected, and directed. That means that every person who walks on the campus at the Movement Church, our hope is that somebody is going to greet them. They're going to say, hi, we're so excited you're here, right? Then we also want to make sure they're connected because we want to get them not just connected to that one face who said hello to them, but connected to somebody else, whether it's someone at kids' check-in because you're helping get their kids checked in or whether it's another face out by the coffee. You say, hey, let me introduce you to this person. We want them connected to someone and we want to make sure they're directed, that they know where they're going, that they're not wandering aimlessly. We're at a high school and I mean, you can get lost. So, so we want to make sure they're not wandering aimlessly. So we know our greeters are winning when people have been greeted, directed and connected. And that's what we celebrate. But our greeters also know they're winning. So then they don't feel like, do I just occupy space yeah. in this random yeah. school courtyard or do I actually have, have something that I'm supposed to do? So they feel like, man, I actually am accomplishing something when I'm giving up my time because church leaders, we, we take a day off in the week, but they don't. Some of us. Some of us do. Most, <laughs> most of, so these guys are volunteering time. They might be missing a service depending on what their week is like. And so we, we want to make sure that they feel like they're winning. Does that make sense? Yeah. track them? Cool. Number four. I think we're doing good on time still too. Number four, encourage always. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's one thing to say, hey, you're awesome and you're doing a great job. It's another thing to bring specific encouragement. And, and consistently. So consistent, specific encouragement. Yeah. And I think that that needs to be deposits that are happening on a regular basis, both publicly and privately. Um, and, and I think the specifics is where it matters, right? Because all of us kind of have an experience where someone said, oh, you did great. You did great. And you're thinking, do you really think I did great? I don't really know. But when someone brings clarity to what you did, so for instance, when a worship leader has a great vocal cue from the stage that was a pivot point in a worship journey for us, but wasn't preaching a sermon. You know what I'm saying? Can I get an amen from some senior leaders? It's like, we don't need you to preach right now. And we can come up and say, hey, when you just shared that one nugget, it was a pivot point. And I want to say thanks for stepping out with courage because we all know that's challenging. And I appreciate that you recognize the climate in the room and you you knew we needed a shift. What that does, I'm adding value to the team member that's also instilling culture. So I'll use culture as my leverage mm-hmm. point for encouragement because then I'm teaching on multiple fronts. Are y'all tracking with me? Does that make sense? But I've got to make consistent yeah. and specific deposits both publicly and privately. Yeah. And I'll tell you, one of the things that we were guilty of uh, at the Movement Church is we were guilty of celebrating the superstars. So we would do services or events and... I just want to, in fact, one of our team members here right now, I'm going to show you, Bianca back here is one of the the greatest team members that we have, and she's 100% volunteer, she's one of the chief leaders of our student movement, does 90% of our graphics, and has the best attitude all the the time, the greatest attitude all the time, and she oversees all 462 van stores around the world, and so she's kind of a beast, and so her, her slogan is, I can sleep when I'm dead. And, and at the movement church, we like that. Slogan. We're like, yeah. So we'll celebrate Bianca, and everybody's like, man, Bianca, this is awesome. And then you have the average person who's working nine to five who now feels like I can't really contribute because I can't do what Bianca can do. Yeah. And I feel like, man, just showing up to greet isn't actually good enough. And so we were guilty. We were publicly praising Bianca's, right? But in the crowd, people are thinking, oh, maybe I don't really have a place here. 
And what gets rewarded gets repeated, right? And so we had to start celebrating superstars in private and celebrating the regular volunteers in public as superstars. Yeah. Man, I just want to say thanks to Megan who, you know what? She makes sure the coffee's brewed every Sunday. You know what she does? She's a grandma and she takes care of her kids during the week and and she just shows up on time and makes sure you have coffee and it tastes good. Come on, let's celebrate. You see what I'm saying? And so... You can do that in so many different ways. You can figure out what works for you. We've got one of our leaders in the back here, Shiloh, and she oversees all of our our dream team, making sure that they feel like they are making a difference. And so she finds those people, your normal, everyday people who are coming to serve, and we make sure that they're celebrated in a team huddle on a Sunday, and they get a gift card. Shiloh makes sure they get a gift card and a handwritten note to tell them how valuable they are. And then we do what we call We Win Wednesday. We take a picture of them, and we post them on social media and just brag about them because they're amazing. They're making a difference and they're building the church, but you can do that in your own format, whatever that looks like for you. We can all celebrate every single person. But we want to be making sure we're making deposits consistently and specifically into every layer of our leadership. It's also important that we also value those like the Biancas. So we'll make sure and invest personally into Bianca's life at our home, she comes over and hangs with us as a family, and we say, "Hey, you know what? We couldn't, we wouldn't be a church without what you do." And we do handwritten notes to Bianca and say, "Hey, you have a bigger role in my 14-year-old freshman in high school daughter than we do, and we want to say thank you." And so for her, it adds value. She's not doing it for affirmation; she wouldn't do what she does. For she, but but man, we add value. And we want to make sure we're constantly, consistently and specifically adding encouragement. Because at number five, my last point, I think yeah. we're so good on time. I'm proud of good us. Come us. on. Woo! Yeah. Uh, and I, this is, a, this is a probably the hardest one, but it, it is a contingent upon number four. Yeah. And that's to correct often. Yeah. Correct often. But if we're not making constant deposits of affirmation and, and encouragement, then when we go to make the withdrawal of correction... We're going to withdraw from a bank account that is depleted. And you've all gotten an email about insufficient funds or text, haven't you? Come on, church leader. Come on, church planter. Church planter watching and sweating it out like, oh, my gosh. Somebody please tithe. Just put a push pay up on Instagram. Well, here's how you can give during the summer. It's okay. So I, I think it's imperative that we are not... We're not we're in, not just encouraging before we bring correction. We have to bring that consistently yeah. and specifically so that when we bring correction, it's not coming from depleted funds. And so one of the rules that we have implemented is within the first 24 hours. So we we want to have a quick – it's a quick like, hey, hey, we just want to give you a real quick. And this one, it's always – it's either voice-to-voice or face-to-face. Yeah. Don't never, text it. Never via text. Don't do never it. Never via email. If there's an email, it's reiterating communication that we had, either voice-to-voice or face-to-face. And so for some of our key leaders, um, because I know the nature of their personalities and how their dynamics are, I've said, hey, I want you to come to me within 24 hours of this service when you're ready for some feedback. So that way I put the ball in their court so that, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't do do Instagram on Sunday afternoons. I can't handle it. Some of y'all might be stronger than I am, but I ain't that strong. And so there are times, we, you know, when we first planted a church, we wouldn't get out of the parking lot, and Megan's telling me the things I could have done better oh, in stop. my message. What? And I'm just Whatever. melting into Whatever. it. was just bad. I was just like quitting ministry. And anyway, no, she's You're perfect. a liar. Anyway, so, 
So, you know, we did in our marriage, we created space for feedback. So we created a pocket when we're on the, on the rise. So for my key leaders, executive team, I said, I, you tell me, you, in 24 hours, you call me when you're ready. And I always, I'm always going to have feedback for you. So you call me and then we'll get feedback. But my feedback is always going to be healthy to get you towards your purpose. And to, again, I'm going to use culture for feedback when it comes to to critiquing. Someone say, hey, listen, it's not outside. The, on Sunday, when you said, um, aren't you glad that, that God called us out of the grave? Well, yeah, if I'm a Christian, I am. But for all the people who aren't Christians, so that's, that's freaky. Is it Halloween? Yeah, that's really creepy. <laughs> like, no, I'm not in the grave. I don't want to be at this church anymore, actually. So, so culturally, that was, I love your heart, but... Let's rephrase that. Aren't you glad that we can have life and hope in Jesus? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, now same thing. But now everybody doesn't feel creeped out, even though some people don't understand that. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. So we use culture to determine how we bring uh, corrections. Does that make sense? And here's one thing. Oh, yes, babe. I see okay, that hand. Please do. I, really quickly, I, you know that feeling that just eats you up when you're kind of frustrated with someone? I mean, whether it's, whether it's your spouse or whether it's like somebody on a team or something like that. And it's just, you're, you're so frustrated, right? And so if you don't deal with it, every time you see that person, what do you worse, think about? Worse, worse. What you're frustrated with, right? And so not only are you doing yourself a disservice by not being brave enough to have a hard conversation, but you're also doing that person a disservice because it's creating this wedge between you and them. Because you're frustrated about a situation or you're like, man, I just wish they'd do that differently. But they don't know. And so we have to be brave enough to go in and have those hard conversations. And you can do it kindly and with a smile and, and really care about someone. But we, we owe them we owe them the fact that we can be brave enough to have a hard conversation and do it out of love. And we owe ourselves that, too, because we don't need it to keep us up at night, right? Yeah, some great – if you don't have skill set in this, uh, the pastor that I worked for before we launched, uh, he's here. His name is David Wright. and. Man, just one of the best pastors on the planet, and he was great at this. So I got some first, like, I got real-time insight because he was correcting me in such a life-giving way that it changed things. But if you don't have that in your life, it's not an excuse to not bring correction. Paul told Timothy, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. It's part of our job. But there's a great tool that you can use. It's called Crucial Conversations, the book. If you haven't read it, read it. It's a good book. Phenomenal book. Uh, anything by Patrick Lencioni, Crucial Conversations. read it. Crucial Conversations. And get it on Audible and listen at a one and a quarter time speed. You can handle it. It'll be worth it. And uh, just some practical tools, but it's essential. Here's one thing I want to add to this, and that is if it's a character issue um, or a heart that's issue, good. that's a sit down. Yeah. That's not a pass by. Hey, by the way, next time you're coaching, use this language instead of that. I love you. Great job. High five. Fist bump. But if it's like, man, you what you're doing is undermining our leadership and you don't realize it, that's a sit-down. We're going to have some coffee. And that's that's not a fly-by correction. You track and that's not a phone call. And so, but if you're avoiding that conversation, then you are actually unintentionally allowing a cancer to fester that's going to sabotage anything and everything you're trying to do. Uh, but if we're doing only correction and we're not making the investment of encouragement, your team's miserable. Oh, they're miserable. I don't know if you ever worked for someone and you just always feel like you're just, you're failing. Yeah. I have. It sucks. Yeah. And so if you just bring that, that affirmation, they'll handle the correction like a champ. Does that make sense? One more thing of application, and then we're going to let the, the man, the myth, and the legend share. And y'all are about to get downloaded. Your mind is about to be blown. I would say some of you, just one practical. If you haven't clarified the whys and the what's for the areas of ministry, that's a great start yeah. for this. Some of you already have. 
But go, you just need to pick one area of ministry and just nail it down. It might take you half a day. Bring in some of your team and start there, and I think it'll help really clarify. Does that make sense? Yeah. Would y'all do me a favor? Would y'all awesome. give it up for the man, the myth, the legend? <laughs> hey, you guys. It's nice to meet you. Check your clocks. Carrie stole six minutes of my time. So. <laughs> hey, thanks for, for coming. to. I know you came to listen to, to, to these two, but I appreciate you hanging around to, to listen to me anyway. Uh, my name is Ron Armstrong. I pastor a church in Willamar, California. I've been there for 26 years. Uh, I don't mean this uh, arrogantly, but I'm an expert on pastoral longevity. I'm about to finish my doctorate in that subject. Uh, of my dissertation is on pastoral longevity. And so let me give you an email address. It's Ron30355 at AOL.com. It's not my church address. That's my personal address. If you have an issue come up and you need a pastor who's just older than dirt to talk to, <laughs> you're welcome. It's Ron30355 at AOL.com. I'm trying to see if I can have the last AOL address. You got it. You got it. So you won. I got that when they first started. I've had it all these years. And so, you know, I, I just figure I'll keep it. All right. Let me give you a, a, These two have given you. I'm sorry. It's Megan. Okay. I keep on college stuff. All right, the, they give you some great stuff. Let me give you just a little bit of context or structure. The, whenever you're thinking of teams, think of these four words. You've got forming, storming, norming, performing. All right, what they've walked you through, they've dealt really in that forming, and they gave you great information on norming. Norming is the communication of expectations. So say it to the person next to you. It's forming, forming storming, storming, norming, norming performing. performing. Let's talk about storming for a few minutes. How many of you have ever had the problems or unhealthiness on a team before? Okay. Everybody who's pastored more than 20 minutes has experienced this. They, I, loved, I loved how gently they talked about correction. Now let me talk to you about it where I live. All right. How many, how many of you have ever given a five-buck reaction to a 10-cent problem? Yeah. You know where they just made you mad? Yeah. Now I know we have, we're, we're all in ministry and we all pretend like that doesn't happen. But I am Scotch-Irish, and we come from a long line of just angry people. Okay? So, you know, I don't drink at all because I would be a mean drunk. All right? So it is just, the truth of the matter is, sometimes we have big reactions to little things. Why is it we do that? Let me give you a couple of ideas. First of all, ask yourself the question, who am I really mad at? That's great. Are they in the room? Or am I mad at somebody else? Mm. How many of you grew up in a tough household? We can be honest with each other, can't we? Yeah. You, know, you grew up in a household where maybe it was angry all the time. Or maybe you grew up in a household where you didn't talk about problems at all. In other words, the, the household you grew up in has a big impact on how you interact yeah, with other people. Yeah. Is the person you're upset with in the room? The second question you need to ask is what meta-narrative, meta-narrative, just got stepped on. Hey, everybody has meta-narratives. This is common among humans. We all want to look good. We all want to feel good. We all want to be in control of our stuff. And we want to be right. How many of you are married? 
Okay. Your spouse wants to be right. That's one of their meta narratives. Yeah. Your spouse wants to be in control of their stuff. That's one of their meta narratives. The people in your church have these four meta narratives, but be aware you do too. Mm. Sometimes, in fact, how many of you have ever had someone you didn't like leave your church? Raise your hand. Yeah. All right, some of you pretend you like love everybody. No, there's people. <laughs> oh, no, there's people. I'm glad they left. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, in fact, I, I'm just thanking God. I mean, it's just a big win for the team. That was a help team help when they left. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes they, that even that person that you feel is a problem, they leave, and you get that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. Every senior pastor knows that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. Be aware of what just happened is someone stepped on one of your meta narratives. Mm. Someone leaving our church, we're afraid it makes us look bad. Yeah. Wow. And so we have this big reaction. When you have a problem on your team, ask yourself, who are you upset with? Are they in the room? Ask yourself what meta narrative just got stepped on. And ask yourself the third question. This one's hard. What hurt am I really addressing here? Mm. What's the hurt? that is prompting the five-buck response for the ten-cent problem. Those of you who are married, you from time to time are experiencing this in your home. You need to think about this issue. One of the things that long-term successful senior pastors learn is to give a ten-cent response to a ten-cent problem. Now, Pastor Kerry gave you an example of a difference between a walk-by and a sit-down. He knows from experience, if it's serious, I need to sit down and talk it through with them. Mm. If it's a small thing, I can just mention it to him, and that will be sufficient. In other words, he's, what he's doing is giving the appropriate, proportionate response to the size That's of great. the issue. That's great. You as a pastor cannot afford to develop a reputation for having these big responses. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, here in the United States... We are people who are proud of our tempers. Mm. Can you imagine Jesus being proud of his temper? Mm. Okay, that's something that we need to deal with. If you want to have the best description of who you are as a pastor or a leader in your church, it, have people say that's a really humble person. That's what would signify Christ really at work in our lives. But sometimes we have these big responses because we're communicating we're important, okay? Proportionate response. Uh, the, if you want help in how to control this, sometimes you don't have time to think it through. Let me give you the short, quick, dirty version. First of all, you're about to have the response. Breathe. Okay. <laughs> Here's what you need. You need time to get from the back of your brain where feelings initially occur. This is where gut responses happen. It's got to get time from the back of the brain to have time to get to the front where the thinking takes place. That's How many of you have ever met a young adult and you thought, and please forgive me, at my age I don't have time to, to dress this up. You thought they were just stupid. Okay. <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry. Yeah. You thought they were stupid. And... Then a few years later, you met him, and you wondered, what happened to that kid? He grew up. Yeah. My youngest son, I mean, he was a train wreck in high school. <laughs> I mean, I told my wife, her name's Debbie. I went to her one time, and I said this in all seriousness. I said, honey, if he's not mine, I just need you to tell me. <laughs> now he teaches high school. 
love it. I mean, it's just, I, I, sometimes I see him and I wonder what in the world happened to him. I told him one time, if aliens have taken over your body, we want you to stay, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we're for it. They, what's happening there is a young person, the front of the brain develops later, all right? Yeah. But those of you who, who you've reached that point of maturity, you've got to give time. Pause, breathe. You're about to have a response to your spouse, to your church member, mm, to a great. staff person. Pause, breathe. Allow it that's to move great. from the back of your head to the front. Second, pray. That's here's great. the prayer. Don't get all spiritual with this, but here's the prayer. Jesus, help me to treat them the way I want to be treated. That's great. Jesus, right now I want to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I'd like to slap the snot out of them. <laughs> Jesus, help me to respond in the way that I would yeah, want to be great. responded to. And then finally, keep practicing. You're going to blow this. I've blown it. I don't know how many times. You get better by blowing it and saying, God, help me to do better the next time. Mm-hmm. So pause, pray, and then just keep practicing at it. That's great. Now, Pastor Kerry and Megan... Get mentioned to you this idea of why, the, the how, and the what. Make sure if you're communicating it to your teams that you've got it clear in your own head what That's it is great. for the church. That's good. All right. The, what's the old saying? You know, if it's, if it's cloudy in the pulpit, it'll be foggy in the pew. I, I mean, you know, it's just if it's not clear in your mind. That's great. And so what's the why of your church? Right? And you don't need to write this down. For my church, we know why we're there. Reach people, make cycles, build relationships. If it ain't that, it ain't us, and it ain't here. Okay? It's just that part. Yeah. And so reach people, uh, make cycles, build relationships. That's why we are there. You have a why for your church. How do you make decisions? For us, it's we're going to be real, we're going to be smart, we're going to be brave, we're going to be fun. And so that's the matrix that we run things through. You should have an idea of what critical values you're going to test your decisions against. That's great. And then know... What do you want them to do? As a church, what do you want them to do? For us, we want them to come. We want them to serve. We want them to get into a group. We want them to give. And then we want them to go share their faith. I know why I'm there. I know how I'm going to make decisions. And I know what I want from them. All I'm saying is make sure as you're trying to follow Pastor Kerry and Pastor Megan's instruction there, make sure you've thought it through in your own head. You know what you want for the church so you can communicate it more clearly yeah. to those in the church. All right. Now, the I mentioned to you that I'm an expert on the subject of pastoral longevity. My father pastored the same church for 50 years. My brother has pastored the same church for 30 years. I have pastored the at Cornerstone for, I'm founding pastor there for 26 years. Over the course of the last several months, the, I've been working on my dissertation. I'll be finishing it up here in the... The, I'm writing that last chapter right now. And so this is, this is not directly on teams, but you need to know the most important thing for your church is your survival, your longevity. Every kind of church will grow except one. Now, we all get caught up in doctrine, but you need to know that's not the key. The longevity of the pastor, that's the key. You cannot have a growing church with a revolving door of senior leadership. You just can't. And so part of the first, part of the reason people leave is this frustration with how the, how the environment is, how the teams are functioning. Let me give you a few things that I've discovered during the research portion of this. And if you have a question on this, you're welcome to ask it or you're welcome to email me. But here are the findings. First of all, pastors are overwhelmingly happy in their jobs. 
Hmm. Now, I'll be honest. Sometimes that goes against what I think is going on out there. We get this picture of the drowned, the, the downtrodden, beaten up pastor that is just barely surviving. You know, that's not reality. That's good. The, we that's called good. 384 churches. We surveyed 156 churches, the responses that came back in. They are overwhelmingly happy with their job. They're even happy with their pay, which I think is stupid because they're badly paid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they're happy, but they are. <laughs> They are happy with their, the one place they're not happy is their opportunity for promotion, but these were all senior pastors. Where are they going to get promoted to? Yeah. You know, glory or something? I don't know. So, you see, no, they are happy in their job. And I say that to you not to make you feel guilty if you're struggling right now. But I want you to know there that this doesn't have to be a 20-year slog. This isn't something that's supposed to suck the joy from your life. This is supposed to be something that's life-giving, not only for your people, but for you, too. If you're not enjoying ministry, I know there's tough seasons, but if you're not enjoying ministry over the long haul, uh, uh, allow me to be gentle here, but you're doing it wrong, okay? Wow. You just are. All right? It is not something that you are supposed to be continually unhappy. Again, there will be really tough seasons. And that leads me to the second finding. They don't interpret a problem. As a sign to leave. Mm. That's great. They don't quit because they're going through tough times. I interviewed pastors who pastor 50, interviewed pastors who pastor in the thousands. Every one of them. Sometimes we look at the guys who pastor the big churches. The, I was talking to one well over 10,000. And, you know, you kind of get this idea. Well, you know, things have gone really, really well for them. Shoot. When you hear what they've gone through, you're yeah. thinking, man, that is just awful. I sat with one pastor and met, I just, when I was listening to his story, I'm, tear, I'm supposed to be there as a researcher, I'm tearing up, finished all, all my interview with him, I said, wait a minute, we need to pray together, okay? He had just been through it. You're going to go through that too, but don't connect the dot of, man, things are really rough, I should quit. Mm. The longevity people just don't connect that. The third thing is they put their family first. Mm. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Tell, if, let's say we have 30 kids. There's 30 kids from a ministry, a group of ministers. What percentage of those are going to follow on in the faith? Tell the person next to you what you think. What percentage of them are going to maintain their Christian faith, be involved in a, a church, be involved in ministry, all of that? Tell the person next to you. These are pastors' kids. All right, what do you, what do you think? Out of, out of 30, how many of them? Two? Fifteen. Uh, the pastors that I interviewed had a median uh, number of years in ministry at 24.6 years. Of their 30 kids, 27 of them are either actively involved in the church, wow. working for the church, or pastoring a church. As I would talk to them, it was obvious the greatest joy in their life was that their kids were walking with God. Yes. Don't be a pastor so who invests good. so heavily in your congregation Come on. that your children are right behind. So good. That is something that it was just across the board. Yes. And if you want to know the saddest story, it was that one pastor who had two who were walking with God and one who was far. His heart was breaking. 
These people put their family first. The third finding, or the next finding, they keep evolving and growing. That's great. They keep going to stuff like this. They, my dad, in the last 10 years of his ministry, he quit growing. Now, my dad went home to be with the Lord. I loved him dearly. We were close. But his last 10 years of ministry, he stayed 10 years too long. He stopped evolving. And so make sure you're continuing on. The, uh, that Their calling is central. They believe in their calling. How far into the question time am I? Okay. The, uh, they, uh, they believe God has called them not just to ministry, but they believe to that particular place. And so when they go through hard times, they all go back to their calling. They all go back to, all right, I believe God called me here. I believe God called me to ministry. Why would I quit? Why would I abandon him who has never abandoned me? That's their attitude. The last one, they're planning for extended ministry. The earliest guy planning to retire said, well, I'm thinking of it around 70. The next youngest guy going to retire, he was thinking of around, he said, well, you know, probably around 75. The others, it was well when I'm dead. That was it. There was not one of them that said, oh, man, I am looking to find the door. Not one of them. It was all about, Lord, as long as. Now, none of them wanted to stay too long. Every one of them said to me things like, well, as long as I can contribute to the team, as long as God can use me here, as long. They gave that caveat. They weren't guys who just wanted to hang on no matter what. And the, one of the questions that I asked him was, what would you tell a young pastor who's been there a couple years and he said, you know, things are hard and I'm thinking of quitting? And every one of them said, you know what, Ron? First thing I'd ask him is about their calling. Mm-hmm. I'd ask him, are you in ministry because you just think it's a cool thing or you wanted to or you were a passionate believer but, and somehow you confused that with a call to the ministry? Was, I would ask him about that. If it and then from at that point it didn't matter about the problem. If they were called, stick it out. Yeah. If they weren't, time to hang it up. Yeah. That's great. Go back to that calling. That's, That's all I have to say to you. I appreciate you guys being able to listen. Come on. You're, you're welcome. Who you're just welcome. wants to hear more from Ron? Yeah. One goodness. more time, give it up. No, here, stay right here. We're going to do a Q&A session real okay. quickly. And then um, I already see one hand. So we'll come to you in just a moment. Are you hosting this or am I doing this? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> hey, I want to tell you real quickly, right, keep his email because he, he's sincere about that. You'd be a fool not to email and ask on any level. I had lunch with him not too long ago. And about 30 minutes into it, I said, I don't really like this lunch with you. No, what he said was, I don't really like you. (laughs) (laughs) He said, that's not the first time I've heard it, but it was so, aren't you grateful for people who are honestly, and we want to build the kingdom of God and make this thing work. So uh, anyway, so we'll take questions on anything, right? You just got a scratch and sniff into just decades of wealth and wisdom. So we'll take questions on anything. We're going to go to Casey over here. We'll go with you first. Two questions. Number yeah. one, um, when you wrote out the why and the what, did you write that with your directors or on your own? That's a great. The question was, when we, when we wrote out the why and the what, did we write that out with our directors and our team leaders or on our own? And for us, we had our team leaders write those out. 
Uh, in the early years, in the very beginning, we wrote everything out, but as the teams it grew and evolved, we had them write it, and then we just made sure it actually matched culture. And then now we don't even, I don't even know all the stuff that we have. It's accessible on our website, and I can get that information to you if you'd like to see what we have. Because yeah. uh, we have where our team can pull it up on a regular basis on Sunday so they don't forget. Does that help? Yeah. What was your other question? Can I get your personal email? You can. <laughs> it's ron at 3500 <laughs> at aol slash hotmail.com. <laughs> all right. Um, as far as the sit-down correction meetings, how... How far down into your organization are you personally, or both of you, having those conversations? That's wow. a great. That's a great question. Do you want me to answer? You can go for it. That's a great. I think that has to do with the layers of organization that you're working with. So at this junction, or this season of our our church, we have four key leaders that I talk, I, I connect with on a regular basis, and they oversee the areas of ministry within our church. But in the earlier years, it was like. You just got out of prison? Yep, you're on the lead team. <laughs> so so in the beginning, it was we were meeting with those guys as often because proximity and, and consistency yeah. makes a difference. And so that that's gonna change based upon the the age and stage of your church. Yeah. As you're you're constantly restructuring and rebuilding as your church is growing, not necessarily just numerically, but also in health. And so um, I would say just identify those key leaders for your church that you, only you can connect with right now, that other people can't lead, and that would be the ones I'd start with those conversations. And and you're going to be able to model, because like, you guys are first, you're in your first year, right? And so I know everybody's in different seasons, and we're only in year six of this, but um, I think that what helped our team so much is that we had those hard conversations from the beginning with them. And so we modeled for them, man, we love you, we're invested in you, like they know we're for them, but we had those hard conversations. So when it came time for us to say, you, you got to have these hard conversations with the people on your team. They already knew how to do it because we'd been having them for the whole time. So now they do that more probably than we, we do, do, but they do it really well. And better, so, I yeah, I think better. Would you want to speak to that, Pastor yeah. Ron? Uh, it, as they said, it's all going to change. The We run, we run about 27, 26, 2700 on the weekend, but I still have people that I would sit down and have those conversations with. And so... The it's not just size or number of layers, it's personal it's connection. Yeah, that's good. And if someone's a key influencer, and certainly with staff people, those type of things. But as the church changes, you just have to be sensitive. Your key is just like what, what they were telling you, don't overlook it, don't allow it to fester. Whoever's having the conversation, have the conversation. Things problems are not like wine or cheese. They don't get better with time. <laughs> Just gonna turn cancerous, and so, so most good. pastors are conflict averse. The, and so, by personality, most of you coming into the ministry, I had it. I had an advantage. I was an attorney before I was a pastor, and so I, conflict is my middle name. I have to avoid looking for trouble. Though most of you, though, you're going to tend to shy away from their counsel. Don't do it. What they are saying to you, that's the key of keeping a healthy team. That's great. So good. Other questions? Yeah. So I have a question. Um, you talked about how to give yourself space to breathe and to pray. Is it possible, how do you change the meta-narrative masking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> so can you repeat the question for the recording? That'd be great. Oh, 
Uh, okay, he was. He asked, "Can you or how do you change the meta narrative?" Uh, you really can't. In other words, the no matter how spiritual we all become, you're still. What What do you do when you trip? What's the first thing you do? You look. You look around to see who saw. Okay. And knows you. That it's because none of us like to be embarrassed. You trip. For some reason, we look around. Yeah. Okay. Does anybody care? I mean, has anybody never tripped? It. You can't. You can't get rid of meta narratives, but awareness of That's them. Great. If I'm aware, okay, I'm feeling this. It's mm-hmm. boiling because they embarrassed me, and I feel like I look bad. Okay. Your awareness is what gives you the time to control it. I wish you. I wish we could outgrow it. But I don't think we can. I think it's human nature. That's, That's great. great. Really great. That's great. Somebody in the back. Oh, over here. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to repeat the question. Uh, you talked about storming, which I relate to. <laughs> um, but the performing, forming, and norming, like, do you have somewhere I can go to? Uh, yeah. I, she asked, you know, where, where can we find information on forming, storming, norming, performing? Mm-hmm. Uh, that research is from uh, Bruce Tuckman. Uh, if you don't use Google Scholar, uh, you should start. Yeah. Just put in Google Scholar, put his name in, his work on that's going to come up. Any subject you want it, it, from the pulpit, it's make sure that you're checking out some of the stuff that you're saying. It's just helpful. Uh, oftentimes from the pulpit, we say stuff. And I mean, I've done it. I've gone back and I thought, you know, something sounds wrong. I've gone and looked it up and realized, man, I was just wrong. <laughs> and so uh, if you look up his work, he's really the, the expert on that. Uh, Bruce Tuckman, it's T-U-C-K-M-A-N. It's great. Okay. Right here. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Ron, you talked briefly about keep evolving, keep growing, attending things like this. What are some good signs or what are some signs to look for when a ministry or a church needs to evolve? The you walk in and you can tell that that they're that it's dated. Sure. Okay, if you were to go into Carrie's church, it would feel very differently than a small Baptist church down the street because they they got uncomfortable. And you need to know that uh, evolving as a church or a person is primarily if it's not happening, it's the fault of the senior pastor. Okay. It's because the senior pastor looks at it and says, well, I like it. What, why wouldn't everybody else? My, uh, my music director is here, uh, young man Charlie Lane there at the back. Charlie, stand up. Wave at everybody. Charlie dresses funny as far as I'm concerned. Okay. If I had hair, I'd never wear it that way. I have held a full-time job long enough. I don't have to wear ripped pants. And skinny jeans would be way too vivid of a picture. All right? And so, you know, and I tease about that at the congregation, but everybody knows I'm the senior pastor. If I didn't like his worship leading, okay, the reality is he wouldn't be leading worship, okay? But I do. I love his ministry, and if he dresses funny, that's okay. If I like everything that's going on at the church, I'm 56 years old. If I like everything, something's wrong. That's great. In fact, even if you're a little bit younger and you love everything going on, if you love every song, you're not leaving room for the others. Okay? If everybody looks like us, sounds like us, the my dad's church died because my dad quit evolving. All right? My church 
I mean, I have lost tons of 50 to 60-year-olds because I said, wait a second, you've been believers a long time. The Carey's Church is reaching 35, 36-year-olds with kids. That's who my church ought to be reaching too. So we made a lot of changes. Charlie came on, led the worship, made everybody mad. They, 50 to 60, left in mass. And you know what? I made a decision that, okay, I know what the end of the story looks like. If we quit evolving as people or churches, it dies. Wow. All right. You guys, thank you. You guys and Carrie and Megan's church, you're the ones who are staving that off. But it's the old guys like me that this is why we're closing three or four yeah. thousand churches a year. Yeah. All right. You guys are the only thing saving Christendom from the people like me. If it was guys like me, the, the church would be dead in two generations. I mean, because we're closing so many churches, it's Ark and you guys that are saving the day. But if more churches were continuing to evolve and so look forward, does it appear dated? Are you growing in how you address problems? Carrie and Megan now have six years of experience. They're already different now than what they were six years ago. All right, they've grown in areas, and they are proud of the fact, no, I didn't handle that quite as well, but here's how I handle it now. They're proud that they evolve, where sometimes pridefulness gets us pastors, and we say, no, I'm the way I was the day I walked through the... No, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 we need to grow. That's good. That's so good. Hey, let me add just one thought to that. If you're not the senior leader of your church... You need to be aware that it's not your job to go in and tell the senior pastor, hey, it's time to evolve, buddy. So so what you're hearing from Pastor Ron is not necessarily permission for you as a youth pastor to go tell your senior leader. What you can do is sit down and say, hey, what's your heart for the future? And what's what's God putting in? How can I be praying and supporting the vision and the heart? That God's given you. And then you pray. Because otherwise you might end up like a character in the Bible named Absalom. Who stood at the gates of the city and said, if I was the, if I was the king, it'd be different here. And uh, so I, I just want to just dovetail, not to add wisdom to what Ron is, but just to encourage those of you that are in a second chair or third chair position. Just remember that part of the of the journey of faith. Would you, would you say oh, that? Absolutely. Okay. You... you in all of this, when we're dealing with ourselves, deal directly and deal with, with a sense of purpose. When we're looking at someone else's life, remember, we have that plank in our own eyes. Be careful trying to pull the speck of sand out of this, your brother. And so that's what Carrie's saying to you. He's saying, be cautious about going to your senior pastor and saying what the vision ought to be. All right? If you can't align up with the vision there, Okay, then it's time to become a church planter. Okay, and so it's and remember, someone may not line up with your vision either. So what yeah, you sow, you're going to ab- reap. So absolutely. And so I, truth, I've sown a lot of angry yeah. conversations and re- reaped a lot of them too. And so yeah. Great. Other questions for Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can ask Rod. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I'm a youth pastor, and a lot of the people that serve on our team. Our, our best friends, mm-hmm. which can sometimes just cause an issue with like leading them than like going to DJs afterwards and eating pizza. So do you have any like uh, words of wisdom just on how to do that in a healthy way? Why don't you speak to Megan? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think um, 
I think you want the people that you're doing life with and building the church with, building the team with, to be friends. I mean, you want to have a relationship with and hang out. Um, but you you do have to maintain, uh, they, they should be friends that you're authentic with and that you're real with, but that you're not transparent with. So they don't need to know every single area that you are struggling in. That's something we, we call it throwing up, um, not like, but uh, throw up to somebody who's in leadership. When you're really deeply struggling with something, then it's not that you are being fake. You can say, you know, this has been a hard week or this has been a hard month. Be praying for us. But the details of the fact that I'm struggling in my marriage and I feel like throwing in the towel, I'm going to have a conversation with someone who's in leadership about that. So there's some, there's some conversational guidelines, but you want to have relationship there. And I think so much of the health can come when you're bringing affirmation and when you're also having the correction conversations, because people will learn, okay, we're in this together. We're, we're running the ball down the field together. We're doing this together, but they'll also know who's making the calls because you're having those conversations that are, that are difficult to have. Is that helpful at all? Yeah. I would, one of the, some of the language, so we probably deal with this on a regular basis because of the nature of the age of our church and our age. And our personality. So, uh, and our personality type. So if I was in my mid-50s and we're bringing in people that are younger, they naturally look to us for leadership. But when we're working with people that are the same age, it's challenging. So the language that we have adopted in navigating this, we're very extremely relational. In fact, we don't want to build a team of people we don't want to hang out with. Yeah. That doesn't mean we want to hang out with them all the time, yeah. but at least want to enjoy it when we do. Yeah. So we use the language of the hats. Yeah. And, and we'll tell this, listen, I could be a great friend, but I'm going to be an even better pastor to you. And so I'm going to put on a pastor hat for a moment and tell you that, you know what, you actually can't talk to your wife that way. She deserves better from you. And then there's times, hey, I'm going to put on a friend hat. Let's just hang out. We're going to play some golf. So I use that. I don't care if they get cheesed out. Because then they recognize I'm setting the, the standard and the boundaries here, and they aren't. So if that narrative starts to shift, and they're, well, I just need you to be my friend. Uh-oh, we've crossed the threshold now, and I know I'm losing leadership integrity with you. So I'm going to actually adjust the nature of our relationship. And you're, you and I aren't going to be friends right now because I'm not called to be your friend. I'm called to be your pastor right now. That, nat- that narrative might change later, but for right now, this is the way it is. And so we actually have those real conversations. Mm-hmm. And I would rather them have an awkward moment with us over coffee or right here and them catch a hold of that. And we can actually move the ball down the field because we're trying to help people who are lost and found than to deal with you having issues with our relationship right now. I don't know if that helps you or not. Ron, do you want to add to that? Uh, Just in in case anyone didn't catch what Megan was uh, was saying about throwing up, if you have a, a staff person, a volunteer who has an issue... And they go to someone, another volunteer, or go down in the organization. They threw up down. Yeah. Those whenever someone, if you have a struggle, you need to make sure you're talking to a peer or you're talking to someone the next level up with you. The because talking up brings resolution and reconciliation. Talking down brings division. Yes. Great. Yes, ma'am. Can I, this is a great point. Yeah, yeah. Can I give all of you 26 years of experience here? Yes. Worry about it less. I was sitting with uh, Larry Osborne a couple of weeks ago, and I was surprised. I needed one more interview for my dissertation, and the, the ladies in my office who were booking appointments, they said, well, we found a pastor willing to sit with you. 
they pull up Larry Osborne. Okay, and so I went down and sound. And one of the things he said is quit worrying about collateral damage so much. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't ever answer anything on Facebook. Yes. If you are a person that does that, you need to stop. <laughs> yes. Okay? Yeah. Just stop it. Well, Pastor Ron, they said something bad. Big deal. Yeah. Okay? Well, Pastor Ron, they're talking bad about us. Okay. Are, they, are we in good company or not? Did they talk bad about everybody in the Bible? Yeah. Is there anybody in the Bible that got loved all the time that didn't end up just totally going to hell? I mean, you know, everybody good got, had people come against them. You will too. Sanballat and Tobias still go to your church, all right? And so. That's great. Honestly. Well, they might this, they might that. Big deal. God's church, you're God's child, and if it all goes down the tube, God still has a plan for you. Can I tell you the most important thing that I can give you to young pastors? You've got to divorce the size of your church from your self-worth. That's great. great. And the sooner you do it, the better off you're going to be. These two are a couple loved by God and used by God. They pastor several hundred, but it wouldn't make any difference if they pastored 50, okay? They are being used by God to minister to those people. Quit attaching your self-worth yeah. the size of your church. It's unhealthy for you, and it's unhealthy for your people. That's great. Teach the gospel, love the people, and whatever. I have a Labrador Retriever, and I love that dog. My wife said, we need a second dog. We got a Vizsla. This is the dog from hell. <laughs> I mean, she just drives me insane. For the first five months, I was just... Debbie went out of town. I was thinking of killing that dog. <laughs> I could back over the car. She, I was going to kill that dog. <laughs> now, nine, we've had her nine or ten months. Man, I love that dog. Larry Osborne said, sometimes you've got a, a Labrador Retriever-sized church. Sometimes you've got a little collie. Sometimes it's going to... He said, you need to love the dog you got. Mm. Okay? <laughs> Quit attaching your self-worth. The, you guys are marvelous people because you're God's children. Yeah. The, I'm so proud to get to share the, the platform with, with Carrie and Megan because they're God's children, not because they've been so successful yeah. at what they're doing. Okay? You guys are that way yeah, too. That's so good. Pastor. Ask Carrie a question. Give them a hard one. Hey, I would say for you, if it's in leadership and they're still causing dissension, that is, that's time to sit down. And if they can't make changes, time to remove if it's just a, a regular person yeah. who's attending, that sounds horrible. Someone who's just simply attending your church, people are going to be people. But if it's in leadership, you have to sit down and address it. And if they can't address it, you got to remove them from leadership. Otherwise, your leadership integrity is on the line, and now you've created a standard of. I'm not saying you. This is the friend <laughs> you're asking for. Yes, you're creating a standard. Somebody I know that this is okay in our organization. No, it's okay if we gossip. It's okay if we're talking slander, etc. Okay. Uh, our host is looking at his watch. The, we were supposed to be done five minutes ago. The extra minutes are Carrie's fault. Uh, they are, they are our fault. Okay. They give our host and Carrie Mang a hand. Please don't be hesitant. The, I'll answer you back. Uh, I'm going to hang around for a little while. Pastor Karen, Pastor Megan, I'm sure will probably yep. hang around. If you have a question or something, feel free to, to grab one of us, okay? Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys.